Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. I'm just going to read five verses to you. And, um, uh, and then we're just going to see what God wants to say tonight. I believe that there's a word in the house for you. I believe God has something special to say. Uh, one day the angel of God came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash, whose son was Gideon. He was there threshing wheat in the winepress out of sight of the Midianites. And the angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. Gideon replied, with me, my master? If God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are the miracle wonders our parents and grandparents told us about, telling us, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. He has turned us over to Midian. Now, I, I wouldn't recommend ever talking to God that way. Amen. Just, uh, but, but I love God's response because God at this point could have turned his back on him. At this point, God could have judged him. But instead, look what happens. But God faced him directly. So God actually leaned into the moment. He leaned into his doubt. God leaned into his weakness. <laughs> and he said, go in the strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? Gideon said to him, me, my master. Look, look, look what he says. How and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. But God said to him, I'll be with you. Believe me. Believe me. Believe me. I want to talk from this subject today. Never forget. Never forget. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you. I just thank you, Lord, for what you've been doing in our church, and I thank you specifically for today. It's been so special, and I'm thanking you right now, Lord, that you're going to confirm this word. You're going to encourage your people, and you're going to strengthen your people now. I pray for a subtleness of heart as we go to your word. We put down and put away every distraction so that we can clearly hear from you right now because we know that one word from God will change our entire life. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. Come on, if you're ready for a word, let's clap our hands one more time. And let's go to work. So as we read Judges chapter 6, we find that Israel um, is under attack. They're in a battle. Israel is in a battle, but God has a plan. And I want to just remind you of that tonight, that God does have a plan. That God has never been shocked or surprised by any situation in our lives. That though many things will happen in our life that are surprising, many things will happen in our life that are shocking, many things uh, will happen in our life throughout our life where we were not expecting that, God is not surprised. God is never caught off guard. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God knows all. And if you're in a fight, God has a victory strategy. If you're in a battle... God has a plan. If you're in a valley, God has a way to get you out of that thing. Now, now, I wish I could tell you if you just prayed more and loved God more and gave more and spoke in tongues more and read the Bible more and served more and sang more that you would never have to go through any kind of fight. I wish I could tell you that, but that's just not true. Uh, while we're here on earth, we have an enemy. His name is Satan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's his purpose in our life. He is trying to separate us and destroy us from everything that God has for us, but Jesus has come, John 10, 10, to bring life and life more abundantly. 
And if you can, if you can hold on to God and trust God even in the fight, I promise you, God will never lead you in a fight to die in that fight, to quit in that fight, to be destroyed in that fight. But God will actually give you victory in the fight. He'll give you victory through the fight. He will sustain you. He'll make you better, bigger, stronger. This is the God that we serve. And so I'm going to give you three things to never forget. If you're ever facing discouragement, if you're ever facing a battle, if you're, if you're ever just facing life, life is just acting up on you. Life ever acted up on anybody? Just, just acting up. All right. Well, l- let me remind you of, of three things tonight. Here's the first one. God is with you. God is with you. God, God comes to Gideon, and this is his first four words to him. He says, God is with you. You may not feel like it. I know the circumstances may feel the opposite of that. I know it may feel like the odds are stacked against you, but God is with you. And if he's with you, All things are possible. If he's with you, nothing is impossible. Here's what God says about himself. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Now, I think a lot of church people would understand the I'll never leave you thing. It's like, yeah, God is big. God is everywhere, so God never leaves me. God's always around. But I think what's really important is how God says, I'll never separate these two things. I'll never separate forsaking and my presence. I'll I'll never separate that. If I'm with you, then that means that I have a plan. In other words, God isn't just there watching you getting beat up. God isn't just there going, I hope you figure this out. God isn't there with his hands tied. God isn't there going, man, I hope you listen at church. No, God doesn't forsake us. That means that if God's presence is here, God has a plan. God wants to do something. God is moving. God is active. He's not just watching us. He's our God. He's not, he's not Santa. He's God. And he's got a plan and he doesn't forsake us. So if he's here, he wants to move. If he's here, he wants to act out in our world and in your world. He will never leave you or forsake you. God is with you. See, for seven years, the nation of Israel has now been under attack. By the time we get to Judges 6, there has been seven years of the Midianites attacking Israel. And here's what I find, that when God says, I'm with you, Gideon, Gideon's response is so real, it's so raw. He goes, no, you're not. God's not with us. God can't be with us. Look at at what we're going through. God can't be with us. We're in a fight. Because to Gideon, his perspective of God's presence was so small that it was completely based on circumstance alone. Here's what I've learned now walking with Jesus for 24 years that there's been seasons of my life where I didn't feel God, hear God, sense God. I couldn't trace God. But I look back and I go, ooh, God was there. I couldn't see him when I was in it, but I see him now. I couldn't feel him then, but, I, but now I sense what he, oh, he was moving. He was orchestrating. He was removing. He was setting me up. He was, I felt like I was going down, but he was actually lifting me up. I felt like I was being removed from my purpose, but he was actually moving me into my purpose. I felt lost, but God has never been lost. I felt, I felt like I was wandering, but God knew exactly where he was taking me. And like Jacob, what Jacob said in the book of Genesis, he said, surely I've been in the presence of God. I didn't even know it. 
You can be in God's presence and not even recognize it. And I look back over my life now and I go, whoa, God was there. I, I, didn't, I didn't see him. I didn't feel him. I didn't hear him. But I look back now and I go, wow, God has been so good. God was so much better to me than I gave him credit for. God was so much more faithful than I thought. Now that I look back over my life, I see him there and I see him there and I see him there. And when I felt like he was the furthest, now I look back and I realize that he was closer than I could have ever dreamed. This is the God that we serve. And if you'll look back over your life, you will, you will begin to see the hand of God. You'll begin to see the writing of God. You'll begin to see how he was writing a story the whole time. You couldn't see it in your immaturity, but as you grow, you go, my God has been faithful to me. God has been good to me. God has been sustaining me this whole time. Anybody grateful? Come on, for a God that is faithful to you, that is good to you. You were complaining and cursing, but God was blessing. Anybody been there besides me? I've been there. I've, I've been there. The scripture says that even when we're faithless, God remains faithful. <laughs> and I've been faithless. I, I've been in seasons where my faith is low, but I look back and his faithfulness was so grand. God is with you. Never forget God is with you. Number to never forget, God is naming you. Here, here's what God says. God is with you, verse 12, you mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. Now, I say that and people start saying, wow, and praise God, and, mm, and amen, and wow, so good, pastor. But that's not what Gideon did. Gideon went, uh-uh. Uh, I'm in a weak nation. My family's the weakest family in this weak nation. Oh, and I'm the runt of the litter. I'm the weakest in the weak family of the weak nation. <laughs> Again, not great, Gideon. Not great. Not a great way to talk to God. But here's what I want you to see. There are two m massive differences in opinion. You have what God is saying about Gideon, and you have what Gideon feels about Gideon. You have what God knows about him and what Gideon feels about him. I believe that so much of our journey is a journey of identity. Um, most people don't know who they are. They just don't. They just don't really know who they are. They, they know their expectations. They know what their friend group wants from them. They know how to act. Um, they know what is culturally acceptable. But they haven't really figured out who they are. So, so like they know who they are socially. They know how to act socially, but they don't know who they really are. If, they, if you really got down deep, they wouldn't really know how to define who they are. And, and sadly, a lot of people live their whole life living for the approval of people that don't really know them, living for the approval of people that don't love them, M most sad living for people that did not create them. And so 
Um, they, they live for the opinion of creation instead of finding out what their creator said about them. Right? So they, they, don't even, they don't even know who they are. And I, I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm 38, turned 39 uh, in a couple of weeks. And I think it took me probably till I was at least 33, 34 to really figure that out. To really figure out this is who I am. This is who Javen is. And then, and then once I figured it out, then I had to figure out how to act with friend groups that knew me as the shell of me that acted a certain way in front of them, and I had to start acting like me. And then in reality, for a lot of that, losing relationships and then letting those relationships come back to me as I got secure in who I am. I'm not trying to take you to counseling right now. I'm just saying <laughs> most, most people don't. See, Gideon didn't know he was Gideon. Gideon didn't know there was a hero. Gideon didn't know he was a warrior. Gideon didn't know what God said about it. Gideon didn't know the prophetic promise over his life. Gideon didn't know what God could do with his life. Gideon didn't see it. Gideon, Gideon didn't know who he was. Gideon didn't know he was Gideon. And even when God meets with Gideon, he finds him in weakness. He is, he is separating wheat in a wine press. Now, that doesn't really make any sense to us. 2022, we don't know what that means. But basically, what you would do is you would, you would take wheat, and you would take it up to what was called a threshing floor. It was a, it was a high, like, uh, top of a hill. And you would go on that threshing floor, and you would throw the wheat up in the air, and the wheat and the chaff, they would separate in the wind. And that's how you would separate wheat from chaff. But Gideon was so scared of his enemy that the Bible said he was in a wine press trying to do that. Literally, he's like in a basement with no wind trying to separate wheat. It, it, this is like total fear, total intimidation, and very, like a very embarrassing thing to do. So God appears to him, and I love this. God did not show up to Gideon and go, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? What are you doing down here? That's not what God says. God looks at him and he goes, you mighty warrior. Yeah, yeah. And Gideon's going, me? <laughs> you look at, I don't know who you're talking to, Lord. It can't be me. Listen, God was not lying to Gideon. God was prophesying yeah. to Gideon. Okay, let me say it like this. It's not that Gideon had the potential to be a warrior. It was that God was speaking a warrior into Gideon. Okay, you got to understand this. God does not call us because of our potential. Most of us don't believe this in the room. But you got to know this is the truth. He calls us because of his power. Okay. God doesn't save you and go, I know you're all jacked up right now and you're all messed up right now and you're a mess right now and you got all these problems right now, but, but I could really see your potential. I think you could really become a good person, so I'm going to deal with you now because I really love the future you that's going to be awesome. God doesn't do that. God loves you. God loves addicted you, jacked up you, cussing you, angry you, immature you. He loves you right now. You're like, I don't know about that. Yeah, but you, let me tell you why. Because you don't love you. And I can tell you don't love you because you create an unrealistic 
expectation for your reality every January 1st. I'm going to lose 30 pounds, and I'm going to get off coffee. I'm going to really get into green tea. I'm really going to get into matcha this year. And then I'm going to get off of Instagram because it's toxic. And I'm, going to, and I'm going to find new friends because they are trash, and I'm going to find some new friends. And I'm going to get out of debt, and I'm going to, and I'm going to pay off my credit cards, and I'm going to build up my savings. And then and I'm going to start going to the gym four days a week, and then I'm going to be so happy. And, and you've created an unrealistic you. That you've told yourself, well, if I can become that, then X, Y, Z. And reality is, um, that's so unhealthy. Don't you dare stop drinking coffee in the name of Jesus. Don't you dare. Here's my my point. We actually, we we create an image of ourselves that we tell ourselves is a healthy version. When in reality, the way we're getting there is not healthy. And then, and then we think to ourselves, and that's probably what God thinks about me. So if I start acting right and I get out of this addiction, I clean up my life and I start reading the Bible and I start praying. And if I start doing this and I start giving, I start serving, I start, then God's going to like me. But, but until then, God's just kind of putting up with me. And that's not God. God doesn't like the future you. He likes you. He doesn't like the you that's, that's going to improve because the fact is you don't even know if you're going to improve. I mean, honestly... <laughs> I hope you do. I hope you get, uh, this, isn't, this isn't an excuse for bad behavior. Bad behavior is bad. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt people. It's going to hurt your family. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you think that God is only putting up with you because of a better version of yourself, you, are, you have believed a lie about God that is creating separation between you and God. God did not go, Gideon, I really believe if you could just level up, you could be a mighty warrior. No, God spoke it into Gideon. He said, you're not a warrior, but now you're a warrior. You've been fearful, but now you're going to be courageous. You've been scared, but now you're going to be a fighter. And when God speaks something over your life, he does not ask your past for permission. He does not consult your history. He does not check with the color of your skin. He does not check with your gender. He does not check with your bank account. He doesn't check with who your daddy is or your mama is or your family tree is. God looks at you and he doesn't judge you according to pedigree. He judges you according to his word over your life. And he said, there's nothing in you that's a warrior until right now. Here it is. See, because here's what God does, Romans 4. He calls things that are not as though they were. That's what God does. Only God can do that. He can call things that are not. He can can pull things from the invisible and place them into the visible. Only God can do that. So he, he gave Gideon a new identity. God's naming you. And what God says about you is true. What God says about you is true. When, when um, God was creating the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1, pretty famous scripture, it says that um, God said, let there be light. But if you were to read let there be light in the Greek language when it was originally written, it's not how it says it. It actually said that God said, light, he spoke to it, light, be. So if you were hanging with God that day, he would have said, light, and you said, what's light? And he said, check this out, be. And, and it would, oh, the lights would have turned on. 
And you would have said, where did that come from? And he goes, oh, I can call things that are not as though they were because I'm God. And, and he would have told us, see, light's on the inside of me because I'm light. And then I can pull that light out and I can speak that light. And then it comes to pass. And I don't, I don't need moons or stars or suns or planets. I don't need any of that to create light. I'm light. Because he didn't create all the other stuff till a couple of days later. You know that, right? He created a light before he created a sun. He created a light before he created all the other, all the firmament. What's my point? My point is, is that God doesn't check all this other stuff to speak something into your life. So when he first says it to you, go, this doesn't add up because I'm not a mighty warrior and I'm not free and I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not free from that junk yet and I'm not healed yet and I'm I'm not prospering yet and I'm not holy yet and I'm and God says all that up he speaks that into us and now that it's been spoken into us now we can actually begin to live it out this is what God does God says it and the moment he says it there's now possibility for us to walk in it so God took David, the shepherd, and made him a king. He took Ruth, the field worker, and made her a queen. He took Jacob, the deceiver, and made him a prince. This is what God will do. And God actually tells us how he's going to do this. In Jeremiah chapter 18, he says, guys, you need to know this about me. I'm the potter, and you're the clay. And if you would ever trust me enough to get on the potter's wheel, I promise I'm not going to break you. I'm not going to harm you. I'm not going to crush you. I'm not going to humiliate you. I'm not going to destroy you. But I am going to form you into a beautiful piece of art. I'm going to form you into a beautiful masterpiece. And if you want, you can live as dirt trampled by men. If that's what your life wants to be, then that's what your life can be. But if you would trust me and you would let, you would allow my hand to get on you, if you would allow yourself to get on the potter's wheel, I would create a life for you that you could never dream or imagine. I could bring dignity to your life. I could bring strength to your life. I could bring beauty to your life. And by the way, what makes art so uh, powerful and so meaningful and so valuable what makes art so valuable is not what it's made out of. It's who made it. And when you let God get a hold of your life and you let God's hand get on your life, he, he gives you value. He gives you dignity. He gives you beauty. He does something wonderful. And if, if you want to settle for being dirt on the ground, I guess you could settle for that. But I'm not going to So I'm going to trust God and I'm going to obey God and I'm going to jump on the wheel and I'm going to let God do something amazing with me. And, Form me and stretch me and work on me and sanctify me and change me. So, so when I come to Jesus, I'm no longer who I was. I'm not what they said about me. I'm not what's been done to me. I'm not my issues. I'm not my weakness and I'm not my strength. I'm not my past. I'm not what I have and I'm not what I lost. I am who God says I am. I'm a child of the most high God. God said that about me. The creator said that about me. And if the creator spoke that over me, then creation cannot cancel that. What God has spoken over me. I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. And if God said I'm a mighty warrior, I'm a mighty warrior. It, it's not really powerful if I look in the mirror and say, Jabin, you're a mighty warrior. Glory to God. That's not really going to do much. But if God says that over me, if God speaks that over me, if God affirms me, then all things are possible. God is naming you. God is naming you. This is what God does. Lastly, ne never forget this. God is stretching you. Uh-huh. Did y'all hear that? Uh -huh. 
I know that sigh. I've been there. I, I think I am there right now. God's stretching you. Here's what God says to Gideon. Gideon, believe me. Believe me. That's your job. Believe me. Believe me. Have faith in me. Leave the results up to me. But you're going to have to believe me. And through a lot of different circumstances, Gideon finally does believe God. And he says, okay, I'll go to battle. And God says, okay, you're going to raise up an army. You're going to call an army together. And you're going to go fight the Midianites. So Gideon goes before Israel. He calls all the men together. And he says, I need men to fight with me. Who will fight with me? And 32,000 men raise their hand and say, I'll fight. But now there was 32,000 Israelites that were going to go to battle against a Midian army that they estimate was around 200,000. So we have 32,000 against 200,000. And Gideon goes, we're outnumbered. The odds are against us. But God is for us. We're going to do this thing. We're going to do this thing. We're going to do this thing. Praise God. And the next morning, God talks to Gideon again. He goes, hey, um, just let your guys know. If they're scared, they don't have to fight. Let them go home. And Gideon goes, Lord, we kind of, we're a little bit outnumbered, Lord, and uh, we're going to need all the men we can get, so I don't know about that. And God goes, no, no, just go tell me. And Gideon's going, you know, he's probably thinking to himself, you know, yeah, maybe a couple hundred guys are going to go home. I don't know. So Gideon says, hey, guys, if anyone's afraid, you can go home. 22,000 men go, bet. <laughs> Love you, Gideon. Praying for you, dog. Praying for you. Hit me if you, if you get back. Hit me up. We'll have dinner. And Gideon's 32,000 goes down to 10,000 in a day. And Gideon goes, boy, God's stretching me. Okay, but I said yes. Praise God. Okay, did my thing. All right, here we go. 10,000 against 200,000. Turn up. This is, God's going to have to do a miracle. The next morning, God looks at Gideon and he says, uh, hey, take everyone down to the creek to drink. I want everyone to, to drink water. And Gideon goes, okay, <laughs> where's this leading to? And God said, anyone who drinks like this, anyone who scoops up water and drinks it like this, that's, that's your men. Those are the guys that are going to fight with you. Everyone else goes home. Gideon goes, okay. Only 300 men were left after that. So in, in a couple of hours, <laughs> 32,000 turns into 300. And God tells Gideon why he did it. He said, if I didn't do this, Judges 7-2, if I didn't do this, you'd take the credit. Wow. You, you'd take the credit for the victory. You, you, would, you would pat yourself on the, on the back and say, I did this all myself. And, and God goes, I can't, I can't handle that. And, and by the way, Gideon, you can't handle that because you weren't meant to carry glory. That's why we give glory to God because we can't carry glory. Any glory you don't give to God will crush you. And whatever glory you decide to keep, like a cancer will begin to grow and you'll want more and more and more and more and more of it. That's why whatever you get, you ought to give to God right away or that thing's just going to become a drug and there's ne you're never going to have enough of it. You're never going to have enough of it. So God says, Gideon, you can't get the glory for this. You're going to have to give this to me. So I'm going to do with 300 men what you thought would happen with 32,000 men, but you're not going to get the credit. I'm going to get the credit. You're going to have to believe me. And uh, 
I was thinking about believing God, and I, I wrote this down this week. I, I, said, I said, I don't know why it's so hard to believe God, and immediately I felt like God checked me, and he said, yeah, you do. You know. And I thought, and I started meditating, I started praying, started thinking, I went, oh, yeah, I do. So here's what I wrote down. I know why it's so hard for us to believe God. I think it's so hard for us to believe God because we think that our faith needs to be perfected and matured and complete for God to accept it. And it doesn't. So, so we end up waiting for our faith to mature before we ever believe God. And then our faith never matures because we never believed God. Because faith is like a muscle that has to be used. And it will always be birthed in immaturity and weakness. But you got to start with weak faith and immature faith and broken faith if you ever want God to mature your faith. Are you all listening to me? So we, so we end up telling ourselves, when I get stronger and better and when I grow up, I'll go after God. And it never ends up happening because we never started where we were. And, and if there's one thing that's encouraging about Gideon, if, if you'll read Judges chapter 6 and Judges chapter 7, you're going to find out really quick that um, he had like the most jacked up, broken, immature faith you're going to find in the scripture. Like every time God would tell him to do something, Gideon would test it and ask for a sign and a miracle. He would ask for, a, he would ask for some kind of confirmation, some kind of sign. Well, Jesus says, that it's a wicked and perverse generation that asks for a sign. Gideon asked for like six. His faith was weak and immature, and yet God accepted it. Because it's not about perfect faith, it's about perfect grace. And when you give broken faith, and you place that into the hands of perfect grace... He could do something with that. But what most of us end up doing is we never give God our brokenness and our weakness. And we never give God where we are right now because we're waiting to grow up and to mature. And then we never end up maturing. And here's why. Because if you could mature and grow without God, you wouldn't need God. So here's what faith needs to look like. Mark chapter 9. Jesus is going to do a miracle for this man's family. This man comes to Jesus and says, will you, will you please do a miracle for my family? And Jesus says, if, if you believe, all things are possible. Here's the man's response. I, I do believe, um, but can you help me overcome my unbelief? Faith and fear can't coexist. Well, his did. You can't have faith and doubt. He did. Faith over fear. How about faith while I'm afraid? (laughs) How about I have faith in God, but I've also got this unbelief. And I'm not proud of it, but but I'm tired of hiding it. See, um... All these years now of serving Jesus, I I feel like my faith is stronger than it's ever been. I feel like my personal faith in God is stronger than it's ever been. And yet I still got unbelief. And I'm I'm frustrated with my, I'm going, how do I still have unbelief? 
How do I still have this? How am I still dealing with unbelief on any level? Because I'm human. Because you're human. And what we want to do is we want to give Jesus our, I do believe. And we want to hide and ignore our unbelief. Watch me. You got to give Jesus your, I do believe. And you got to give Jesus my unbelief. You got to give them both. But what do we do? We come into church. and We just act like everything's good. Act like everything's great. How are you doing? Great, great, great. Praise God. Wonderful. Great, great. Doing all right? You need prayer? No, I don't need prayer. Do you need prayer? Because I'm great. I'm great. And we, and we hide the side of ourselves that we desperately need to give to Jesus. Like as if he doesn't know. Like, like if you think you could really hide your weakness from him. I've got a five-year-old daughter. We play hide and seek. And um, it's pretty easy to find her. And it's, and it's easy to find her because she'll like be hiding under blankets. And you'll, you'll walk in and you'll just see a blanket just shaking violently <laughs> as she's laughing. Just <laughs> and you just see this blanket shaking. Like, oh, I wonder where Goldie is. <laughs> you just... And she, she thinks she's really hiding from me. So they go, hey, she go, oh, you caught me. I'm going, oh, I got you. <laughs> and, we, and we think we can hide from God. But see, whatever we don't reveal, God won't heal. So Jesus goes into a church service in the scripture. And he walks up to a man who the scripture said he had a withered hand. He had a deformed hand. And... In those days, in Scripture, we'll have the keys come up. i got to wrap this up. In, in those days, uh, anytime you had any kind of sickness or illness, you would, you would try to cover it to the best of your ability. So this man would have gone into the temple with that withered hand covered. He, he would have had it hidden. Jesus walks up to him, and he, and he doesn't say which hand to give him. He just says, stretch out your hand. And if that man was like us in America today... That man would have went, hey, Jesus, hey, brother, praise God, I'm great. <laughs> doing good, doing great. Because the temptation is to stretch out our strength. But this man was so smart, he was so stinking smart. I love it. I love smart people. Jesus said, stretch out your hand. And the man knew to stretch out his weakness. And when he stretched out his weakness, healing could happen. God's stretching you. Not to break you. Not to rupture you. Not to harm you. Not to hurt you. But it's in the stretching of my faith that I discover two things. I discover how big I am. discover how big God is and, I, and I, couldn't, I couldn't see God's greatness hiding in the wine press and I couldn't see God's greatness hiding my weakness but when I stretched out my faith 
God met me in the stretch. And in case you're wondering how Gideon got the victory, Gideon and those 300 never pulled out a sword, never took out a bow and arrow, never grabbed a spear. The scripture said those 300 men surrounded the 200,000 at night with a lantern in one hand and a horn in the other hand. The scripture said they blew that ram's horn in praise to God. And the sound was so loud that it caused confusion in the enemy's camp. The enemy turned on itself and destroyed itself. And God got the glory. God got the honor. God got the praise. And Gideon couldn't say it was because of my sword. Gideon could not say it was because of my courage. Gideon could not say it was because I was so so wise in battle. No, Gideon said, I just, I heard from God and I obeyed God. And God did what only God could do. I had to give him the glory. And then his glory met my praise. His, His sound met my sound. And it brought confusion to the enemy. And it brought victory to our nation. God is with you. God is naming you. And God is stretching you. I want to end by reminding you of this. Faith does not need to be perfect. It just needs to be surrendered. God can do so much more with a yes than he can with talent, skill, ability, looks, money, on and on. No, give God a yes and you watch what he'll do with your life. You can learn this now. You can learn this young. You don't have to say yes to God after you fought him through your 20s. Are y'all hearing me right now? I say, you don't have to fight God through your 20s and then finally get beat up by the world enough and go, okay, God, you can have my yes in your 30s. You can give God your yes right now, and I promise you, God will do something amazing with your life. Woo, I feel that. Clap your hands and give God some praise. I feel that. Jesus' name. Praise God.